Yeah. Man, God's working. I love hearing family stories. God is about, and I even love Monica's, all these stories, they kind of, a lot of a theme of, um, like, God's working while we're kind of sleeping. You know, like, we come home, like, 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 like me and Aaron's mom's, like, her family, her mom's heart being softened to pray, and, like, um, the dude's dream. Like, God is about a crazy work. Like, Monica having the Lord blow up her life in a good way uh, while she's, like, you know, I don't know, 2,000 miles away. Um, are you in California for the gap here? Yeah, yeah, so 2,000 miles away. It's insane. Um, and so the Lord is, is on the move, right? And the Lord is doing something. He's doing something new. That's actually the word that we're going to kind of like play with during worship. And maybe someone in this talk as well. The Lord is doing something new. Um, and you kind of have to have the eyes to see it. Because it's actually really easy for us to kind of go into like blinders mode. And just be like, yeah, John, new semester, get it, cool. But what if he's about something new that like the eyes of our heart can only kind of start to sort of see, or maybe even start to believe in and then see unfold as we move forward in faith as a body into Fan of Flame, into an opportunity, a weekend, where men and women that we're going to invite from all over this campus and maybe off this campus to come hear the gospel, to come worship with us, um, to come be prayed over, to perhaps like experience the Lord in a completely new way in their life that could set them on an entirely new trajectory that would not just change their life, but the lives of their families, um, their future families, and like hundreds of others that they're going to impact in their life, right? Like that's kind of what we're staying on the precipice of. So there's some weight here that I want to give to us, give to this moment, um, not because of SPO, but because of the Lord, right? Um, The Lord is doing something and we're just trying to keep up. Please God. Um, So here we go. You guys ready? Um, I'm going to try to go kind of quick, um, but the first is just a question, and I don't want your youth group answer. I want to kind of sit with it and think about it. Um, but what is the point of Christianity? Pause. Think. Okay. What is the point of Christianity? Probably something popped in your head at first, but keep thinking a little bit. What is the point of Christianity? And I'm not just looking, it's not just like necessarily one perfect answer, but there's probably an arena. You could be wrong here, but you're probably right, I'll say. But uh, what is the point of Christianity? Okay, give me a couple. What do you got? I scared you by off. To know God. That's that's pretty close to the bullseye. Yeah. To know love and serve God. To know love and serve. Oh. (laughs) 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 You know. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. No. Open up the gates of heaven. Open up the gates of heaven. Yeah. Yes. Raise back to the Father. Amen. Yep. What we got? Maybe those are all part. Is that encapsulated at all? Yes. The cross. The cross. Oh, yep. Salvation. Salvation. Yeah. It's really good. That's good. Um, we can keep going. Um, you know, well, I guess it's interesting what wasn't said. Um, what you guys didn't say was um, a value system. Or like, you didn't say first moral principles. You didn't first say, ah, some life ideas. Um, you didn't say it's, it's good teaching. You guys spoke about God, who is a person, right? And most explicitly, all those answers have, is our relation to that person. Like most probably summed up in the cross. <laughs> that is who God is and what he says about us, right? Like God is love, and we're wrapped up in love. So the whole idea of Christianity, it gets a bad rap these days, right? You go on campus, you ask people that question. You might get some cool answers. Maybe it's a cool idea for Wednesday, next Wednesday. Ask people, like, well, hey, what do you think the point of Christianity is? You know? Just 
something to throw out there. It might be eye-opening and actually maybe helpful for other people to think about. But what is the point of Christianity? So, the, uh, again, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, the kicker of Christianity is that it's about a person, a God who is a person who can be known. And that's what you're all insinuating. That's what you all know because you're sitting here. Congratulations. Great. Awesome. Good. Um, if someone does not become a strong Christian, like, you know, someone does not become a Christian primarily because, you know, they see, like, a lifestyle that works. Or they see some cool ideas. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to hop on that. They become a Christian, like, concretely in, long, in, in the long term because they've encountered a person, right? You guys track with me here? Like, they know Jesus Christ. They know who God is and what he says about him. And not just in, like, a head knowledge. Head knowledge can be there, but there, there's going to be some kind of heart movement, right? There's going to be some kind of experience. And we're going to use the word experience. I'll, I'll define it later, but um, keep that word on your paper somewhere. Um, so this is a great quote from a book I was reading. It says, much of the reason people today do not understand the importance of Christ is that they do not know him. Much of the reason people today do not understand the importance of Christ today is that they, they just don't know him. They do not experience his reality, so they do not experience the difference he can make to a human life. They just don't know. So it's written off, right? They just don't know. And that's the sad part, right? Um, so Paul hits on this, the knowledge of God. And I like how that was the first thing said, because we're going to, Paul talks about it pretty explicitly and in beautiful language. Um, I think my favorite epistle is Philippians. Any other, any other fans out there? Philippians. Um, but Paul just goes um, in this section, and there, there's, a, there's a depth here that I just I marvel at. Um, and he says, um, yeah, but whatever gain, he goes, he goes through all his lists of things he's awesome at, right? Because Paul is actually the best of us. Um, and so he says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may, may gain Christ and be found in him. Right? Um, and he says, yeah, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that if possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. And his resurrection power is the most primordial, powerful, fundamental force in the cosmos. What does that mean? Like at, the, at the center of everything is resurrection, is God bringing Nothing to life is God bringing dead things to life. Is God like bring, like if you, even I won't even get into it. Um, I was talking. I was talking to this priest last night. Gave him over for dinner. But he went into like uh, abstract or like uh, theoretical physics, talking about like at the very center of all things. If you know this, is uh, are these little um, photons, photons, particles, right? And they're like they're 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 a paradox because they're simultaneously like particles, but they're also waves. It doesn't make any sense. But they're just chaos. Like, it's, it's actually kind of nothing. Um, and actually, from this is this. From those things that are actually chaos and nothing is everything we see. It's insane. So even, like, the very tiniest things we can even understand, even in theoretical physics, actually point to this idea that everything is about bringing nothing, something out of nothing. So resurrection power is God himself, right? His word is about bringing that. So that's what Paul is talking about here is, is knowing the power of the resurrection. When Paul says knowing, we talk about saber conocer, right? We know the difference. 
But it's this experiential knowledge that he's talking about. Not just like, I've studied it. Because he doesn't know what theoretical physics is. He doesn't know how like, at the center of all things is chaos, yet we see like, substantive order from that chaos. He doesn't know that intellectually, but he knows from his bodily experience of the power and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is the Logos, who is creator, who is God of all, right? Okay, that's as heady as we get, I promise. Um, but what are we talking about? We're talking about this, that Paul would know Jesus as Lord, that he would know this God, not an abstract concept, but know him experientially in his person, not just a helpful teacher, not just a good example, not just like a cool mentor or coach, not just a guy who's like a good cheerleader, not just someone who can help him out of a sticky situation, not just a distant God who gives him good things and helps him not like screw up his life, but the God of the universe who knows him intimately and personally, that he would declare Jesus is Lord and live Jesus is Lord as the way, the truth, and the life. This is what Paul is talking about in Philippians, brothers and sisters, if you know. So the, uh, the crux of the question today, all we're talking about here, that Jesus is Lord is for all men and women. Amen? Amen. It's for all. It is for all. Jesus came for all. The truth that God wants them to experience is power and know this power is for all. Um, it's, it's a question of salvation, a happy and full life. Someone said it earlier, and salvation is actually a great word and actually a good book study for you to do, or word study for you to do, salvation. It's about the good life. It's about the full life. It's about the life of God in us. That is salvation. So, but what we're talking about here is, like, all this stuff is really good. You might be thinking, like, great, John. Okay, like, what? Maybe, 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 maybe you're vibing. Maybe you're like, yes. But maybe you're, like, thinking about yourself, and you're like, maybe, but not all the time. I don't exactly know what you're saying. Knowledge of God. Yeah, I think I know God. I pray. Is that, is that what we're talking about, John? Like, I can kind of know his prompting sometimes. What about those people on campus, John? They don't know God. Like, how is that going to work? Like, knowing, if knowing God's the point, how the heck do you bridge the chasm of, like, knowing God to, like, those people on campus we just talked to randomly or sitting next to us in class, right? Like, they have no freaking idea. What are we going to do about it, John? Like, what is God going to do about it, right? So, it's right. There is kind of a chasm here because how can we know God? Do we just study more or read more or like sit down in the chapel more? Like maybe there's something there. But the fact is we're not that smart and we get distracted and then we like stop praying and there's like there's gaps in it, right? And there's so many podcasts you can learn from, like which ones are the right ones. Um, what was it about like talking about him more? Okay, well, if you talk about him more, like, like what are you going to say and who are you going to talk to him about him? And like maybe people get tired of it. Maybe you get tired of it. Like is it about just talking about him more? Uh, do you pray more? Again, you try, but it gets kind of focused. It gets unfocused. It gets scattered. Are you doing it right? Do you even know if you're doing it right? Do you question that sometimes? Um, do I try to love people more? Yeah, how, see how that goes. Like trying to love people more to get more God, like that sometimes falls in on itself because we're really bad at it. But the fact is that God dwells in the highest heavens, right? The God that we're talking about here, the, the center of all creation that actually created us, he dwells in inaccessible light, Scripture says. He is so far beyond us, right? So how do we approach this God? Right, how do we even come near this God? Well, the good news of Christianity is what? That God, that not that we draw near to God, but that God in Jesus Christ has drawn near to us. That is the difference between Christianity and all other um, religions ever um, devised or revealed, whatever, is that God draws close to us in his son, Jesus Christ. How do we know this? That he has sent us his spirit. That is how we know. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is how we know. That's like that. It's good. Um, so, it's the Holy Spirit. And this is what I want to say. Um, this is fundamentally what we're about in SPO, is this, ex this entirely new experience of God. 
that he devises, that he brings forth. And we, this is only a quote we had last semester that I've been um, praying with thinking about that I hope is stuck with you, but that the Holy Spirit has got an inexceptible light. No one can catch the Holy Spirit. He's God. But the one who wishes, he can let himself be caught. Nobody can catch the Holy Spirit, but to the one who wishes, he can be caught. Okay, prelude. Um, we ask, what is the point of Christianity? Why does SPO exist? Um, I have an answer. It's really simple. Because God wants it to. It's the only reason SPO exists, because God wants it to. So, quick history. You might have heard this before, but if you guys don't know, how did SPO start? Um, there's this thing called the St. Paul Youth Center, and I'll go really fast. In St. Paul, Minnesota, in the 1970s, it was basically like they didn't have youth ministries. They just had this like building where like a bunch of staff was there, and they ran like retreats and like you know their high school confirmation stuff, and like they ran out of this building called the St. Paul Youth Center. Well, around this time, this 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 renewal in the spirit was happening, and these leaders went on this retreat and experienced God in an entirely new way in their life. We'll talk more about that later, but like God like blew up their lives in, in a good way, um, right, Monica? In a good way. Um, and what happened there, they had, a, they had a line at the time that was, for too long we've been telling people good advice, and what they really need is the good news. You can say there was this charismatic renewal, this good news, like the gospel good news his, hitting their hearts in a new way that brought this explosion and this fruitfulness and this newness to their lives in a completely unexpected and powerful way. And what happened there, all these young people got like, lit up, is they, they started like, being like, man, we need to like, actually like, live life together. There was this like, kind of idea of like, the people of God, this community aspect. They started like, being like, we got to tell other people, so they started like, when they weren't in school, they, in the summers, they would get in these vans, and they would drive off to all these like, random places around Minnesota and the surrounding area and run these retreats, which was the beginning of net ministries. And then one summer, they were like, hey, um, guy running retreats and other couple people, can you guys do a college program? And they're like, no thanks. They're like, please? They're like, fine. So they go to Michigan, where a lot of stuff has happened, and they learn how to like, run households, and they take it back to Minnesota. And in that first summer, they run households, and they had like 140 people living in summer households in Minnesota. And their summer household was way more intense than ours. They had like, like five days a week, like both seven days. They had like morning prayer every morning, and they'd have like dinners every night, and they had like stuff planned in the evenings, like all these formation talks. It was crazy intense. Um, Father Gabriel will tell you about it if you ask him. Um, he was part of those early houses in the CFRs. But there was like crazy stuff happening, and the Lord, like Holy Spirit was moving and exploding, and there's two foundational scripture verses this time. Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build labor in vain. So there's this fundamental awareness that we aren't doing this. This is a wave of the Spirit that we are obedient to that God is doing in our midst. That we say, yes, Lord, I'm here for it. Poor gas. Um, and then John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. This is Jesus talking, right? He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So it's just understanding that, like, man, this has not come from us. I am not the juice the Holy Spirit is a juice working in and through me. And Lord, do your, work your wonders in our time. Like, this is, is that's why I say, like, why, is, why does SPO exist? Because God wants it to. Like, I love SPO because it wasn't like Gordy and these people were, like, in a back room with cigars, like, what are we going to do for college kids? Like, you know? Like, no, they, like, the Holy Spirit started doing stuff. And, yes, we had strategy meetings and, like, try to figure some stuff out. But, like, through the whole time, the Holy Spirit's, like, it's, like, his show, his deal. And we're just trying to keep up. Amen? So that's what I kind of love, a little, little insider info there on some history. But yeah, and the Holy Spirit today, brothers and sisters, it is no different. The Holy Spirit is our engine. Like, I don't got it. Your missionaries, I'll speak for them, they don't got it. Like, um, like Father Adam in his person, right? He don't got it, and he would tell you that. It is the Holy Spirit alive on, in, this, in, in the Catholic Church, in this place, in your lives, in this community, 
that he is about a new thing. He's about a work. There's no other explanation why we're sitting in this room right now. It is the Holy Spirit. It is God himself who has drawn you here and is working out a new thing. Like, gosh, um, I have so much more to say. We'll keep going. And so um, what does that mean? It means this goes nowhere without the Holy Spirit. We're so dependent on God and his love and his promptings and his work. So at the very heart of SPO, I alluded to this earlier, but at the heart of SPO is the gift of a new way of relating to God. At the very beginning, I spoke about it in that kind of retreat, that experience that, that get people's lives getting erected in a good way, was this new way of relating to God. And it wasn't something that they thought of. It wasn't something they like, initiated. It was something that God did in them and through them. He brought about a new way of relating to them. Who here has experienced God in a way that they would call liberating or like expanding in their life? Amen. Praise God. Proclaim that. Um, so God has been accomplishing this work in many ways through SPL, in many ways throughout the entire church. And one specific way that, we, that this can happen, not the only way, one way it does happen is in something we like to call renewal in the Holy Spirit, or baptism in the Holy Spirit, if you prefer that. But renewal in the Holy Spirit is a more uh, broad, inclusive term that is easier to use. Renewal in the Holy Spirit. Baptism gets kind of, you get sacramental theology in it. But it works. So what is renewal in the Holy Spirit? So... Renewal of the Holy Spirit. This is Fan to Flame. This is the crux of it. Um, this, is what, this is what we're going to start with. So, Paul talks in Galatians. This is how we're going to start our exploration of renewal of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, Paul, speaking to Galatians, he says this. You ready? He says, Are you people in Galatia mad? Has someone put a spell on you? In spite of the plain explanation you have had of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, let me ask you one question. Was it because you practiced the law that you received the Spirit, or because you believed what was preached to you? Are you foolish enough to end in outward observances that you began in the Spirit? Have all the favors you received been wasted? And if this were so, they would most certainly have been wasted. Does God give you the Spirit freely and work miracles among you because you practiced the law, or because you believed what was preached to you? So what Paul's talking about here is not something we're digging into. Is the, the crux of it is... That the Galatians were like thinking that like they had to like do all the perfect things and like God will love them, right? Classic Christian thing we've we fall into even in our own lives at times, right? Like God loves me, the more good things I do. He's like, you, you, he calls them stupid. You stupid Galatians, like, and they're they're kind of obsessed with circumcision. Is like, okay, if you're circumcised, then you're cool, then you're in. That's actually what they're talking about. Um, but what's interesting is not that that's the problem. What's interesting is what is Paul's argument? What is Paul's argument here? So he's making an argument, he's saying like, yo, guys, like, um, you're not justified through faith, you know, I'm sorry, you're not justified through works, you're justified through faith. His main argument um, is, he says, isn't it true that you experienced the work of the Spirit among you because you had faith in Jesus, not because you followed the law? So his entire crux is that you know from experience that the Spirit is not from the law. So they had an experience of the Spirit that Paul can actually point to and put his finger on and be like, yo, you guys remember that crazy experience of the Spirit? Like, that was not from your works. That was from your faith, right? Remember? Imagine going to, like, a parish now and be like, hey, guys, like, remember, like, is the experience of the Spirit from, like, works of, like, law or, like, your faith? They'd be like, what? <laughs> you know? And that's, like, a tragedy of our faith right now, but God is actually bringing this renewal. But some people in the parish would get it because they've experienced the Spirit like you have. So what Paul's talking about is there actually is an experience of the Spirit. You guys track with me here? Yeah. It's not just like a vague, it's not just an idea. 
He's talking about an experience. He didn't say, you knew about the Spirit. He's pointing to a tangible thing that happened in their lives, and that's the whole crux of his argument, that it's not law, it's by faith, because they've experienced something from the living God and his Holy Spirit working in them that they can point to, right? So he takes it for granted that the Christians to whom he is writing have had these experiences. He doesn't have to, like, you know, Paul's not even, in this, in this moment, he's not explaining what he's referring to or arguing that it is possible to experience such things. He just expects the Christians to have experienced it. So the entire New Testament, brothers and sisters, is alive with the fact that the early Christians were able to experience the presence of the Spirit in their midst. So when I say experience, okay, experience, I, I said I was going to go back to that word. The idea here is, like, when you experience, I don't, I don't mess it up. So experience we're not talking about an emotional thing first. Although emotions can be part of an experience. But fundamentally, an experience, it could be that it could be like from a meeting. So for instance, like you can hear about, you know, um, Andy Yohani, right? Great father of two of our beloved members here. Um, you can hear about him. But until you like experience, if you meet him and you talk with him and you hear his jokes, and you hear some stories about Annie and Peter growing up, then you've experienced him in a different way, right? So then you don't just like know about him like abstractly, but you've experienced him. And there could be some emotions in that. There can be laughter, there can be intrigue, there can be whatever, but like the, the experience is that meeting of a person that opens up new horizons to when you talk about them and you, like in conversation, right? And even when you think about them, there's a different depth there, a way different depth than ever before because it actually impacts you, right, in your person. So this is the most important sense in which we're talking about experiencing the Holy Spirit is that impact, that knowing of a person. So for the early Christians, if you think about this, before like the Holy Spirit was a doctrine, right? In the early church, he was just, he was a person, right? The Holy Spirit was God. He was an experience. He was a person. So um, what is Jesus talking about? Uh, we'll keep going. So Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, right? Amen. I don't need to read those verses for you because I'm going to we got to get to the, the good stuff in Acts. But Jesus obviously talked about the Holy Spirit. Um, he says, I shall ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world can never receive since it neither knows, neither sees nor knows him, but you know him because he is in you. He is with you. He is in you. So here's, here's a little litany really quick. You read Acts of the Apostles. Just, just a few of the crazy stuff that the Christians experienced about the Holy Spirit. So when the Christians were in Jerusalem, right, they prayed for courage to speak the gospel. And the house, quote, the house where they were assembled rocked. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to proclaim the word of God boldly. That's an experience. Stephen, quote, was filled with the Holy Spirit and was able to gaze into heaven and see Jesus. And the bystander said that his face looked like that of an angel. He was actually transfigured in that moment, physically. Philip was led by the Spirit to the Ethiopian eunuch. That's a cool story. Check it out, Acts 8. Paul was led by the Spirit in his missionary journeys. Quote, when they traveled through Phrygia in the Galatian country, having been told by the Holy Spirit not to preach the word in Asia, when they reached the frontier of Mesia, they thought to cross into Bithynia, but as the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them, they went through Mysia down to Tros. Like God was like physically directing them, you know, like kind of like, yo, there, yo, not here. Hey, this is the direction. God was like really speaking and moving. The Holy Spirit spoke like to Agabus when he foretold a great famine in Acts 11. At the church of Antioch, the Spirit set aside Paul and Barnabas in a very clear and obvious way. Seven, before Paul was taken prisoner by the Romans, the Spirit warned him repeatedly of his upcoming um, imprisonment. 
But the most important thing the Spirit did for the early Christians was to let them experience God's love for them and his union with them, right? The fulfillment of the covenant, that God is with them, who God is and what he says about them, that they're experienced. Romans 8, the spirit you received is not the spirit of slavery, bringing fear into your lives again is the spirit of sons, and it makes us cry out, Abba, Father. It says the spirit himself and our spirit be witness, bear witness that we are children of God. The spirit of God resonates with our heart that we are indeed sons and daughters of the Father. So, is this just something that was like cool for Acts of the Apostles, experience of the Spirit, God coming through, showing up in this way? You know, is that like, yeah, no, it's, 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 that's, it's, it's for our times. Amen? Like this is still today happening. Here's actually cool, three cool testimonies about people who've experienced this um, personally. This is someone speaking. Immediately, I was filled, this is talking about someone who's getting prayed with for the gift, for the renewal of the Holy Spirit. It says, immediately, I was filled with peace. And it wasn't just a feeling. I think it could be best be described as if I met Jesus Christ without seeing him. It was just as if Jesus Christ came up to me and said, hi. It was like I knew him all along. That night was a big turning point in my life. Amen. This is another one. It says, the next week I received the renewal of the Holy Spirit, and I spoke in tongues right away. It has made all the, changes in, all the change in the world. Now I say I believe in God, not because of a theory, but because I've met him. This is another good one. It says, <clears throat> at one prayer meeting, there was silence, and I was meditating. It seemed to me that if I had, it seemed to me that if I had a gift to give in response to Christ's love, it would be myself. And then something very curious happened. It was very much like the words came, do it. So I said, okay. After the prayer meeting was over, for good measure, I went up to the chapel and knelt down and said, I don't understand but all right. I left the chapel, and I started to feel tremendous happiness, more than I've ever felt in my life. It was maybe a week later that I prayed in tongues. There are, there are effects. Basically, you are no longer loose in questioning who God is. You know Jesus Christ is risen. You know he loves you. And you know he's concerned about you personally. These are just three stories of individuals who had, and again, I love the variety of it, right? There's no cookie-cutter way. But all of them in their own personal, because our God is personal, powerful, unique way, experience the love of the Father breaking into their life. And they're all talking about a person, that they've met someone, right? They met the infinite God who dwells in inaccessible light, the mystery, the power, and the glory of it. It's awesome. Uh, so here's the thing. Most Christians today, I think we could say, even they said us in this room at times, uh, we're not necessarily always living a life in the Spirit. The problem is Christians today can think that our life is actually summed up by how we live according to a doctrine and not a life in the Spirit. But a life in the Spirit, brothers and sisters, make no mistake, is the point of Christianity. It's what God wants to fill us with his life. Right? We talked about this a lot last semester. We can't do it, but he can. Right? I can't love God, but his Spirit through me can love him through me and in me. Right? So most people on campus think Christianity is a bunch of rules, boring, limited, something for superstitious grandmas. Um, or it's too lofty, so they don't even try right? But what we're talking about is actually that God wants to flip that on his head. He wants to break in. Uh, so there's probably a lot of good people know, we know too who are part of, who are going to come on Fan of Flame. And they might be just really good people who've been like, maybe they grew up and going to Catholic school. Maybe they've just come to college and 
and gone to church every Sunday and been involved every week, but they've never actually had this contact with God. They never actually had this experience of knowing who God is and what he says about him in their person, right? And that's a tremendous, powerful moment that actually unlocks something powerful in their life. So life in the spirit, um, what are some effects, what are some things, what are some fruits that we can talk about? Well, first off, it's people that can know by experience that the Holy Spirit is with them, right? Some effects can be they can begin to praise God and worship him with new freedom. They can experience scripture coming alive. The Christian doctrine can start to make sense. There can be like a cohesion, like, ah, like I understand why it's not cool to have sex before you're married because it's like, I mean, like sacrificing a gift of love and a gift of myself that's reserved for one person because God made marriage holy. It's like it just starts clicking like that. You know, where before it's like it doesn't make sense. They experience a new ability to talk to other people about Christ. It's just natural. Talk to people about things that you love or people that you love. And like the love of Christ is in your heart. So you just talk to people about Jesus naturally, like he's a friend, right? They experience a deeper peace and joy. They experience a new understanding of community life. Um, maybe something that Monica was testifying to, like being part of a people. They are drawn to being part of a people and being formed in the body of Christ. They experience the Holy Spirit leading the community in worship, being guided by the Spirit, being taught by the Spirit. So this is life in the Spirit. These are the fruits. And the fruits we know in Scripture, too, are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, right? Like, those are the fruits of the Spirit. Those are the things we can expect to see. What is all this? What all this is, is guys, it's, 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 the, it's the stirring up of our graces from baptism and confirmation. And I won't get too sacramental. Um, that's probably another talk. But I do want to tie this into the sacraments because it's not something like magic outside of, like, the church and how the church operates and how God is like, giving us structures. And, well, one, God can actually work outside the church. But he has given us a church, and we love the church, so we operate um, in obedience to it. But God is bigger. But I'll just say... He operates in the sacraments oftentimes, right? Because he is pleased to, and he's given us to us as visible, tangible signs. So baptism, we, get, we, are, we are cleansed of original sin, um, adopted as sons and daughters of God, and given all the graces to live a powerful um, and effective Christian life. And in confirmation, we are confirmed, give, sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit, and given more graces to live our Christian life. We are taught in confirmation. And so oftentimes those graces can kind of be dormant in a person's life. And what we're talking about here is that these graces are stirred up. They become active. When, when like, you say it could be a bound sacrament. Um, Kenton Lacey talks about this in another article, maybe not in the book. Um, that a bound sacrament is a sacrament that, like, has all those things in there, but our yes is not united to it because God won't override our yes. So once our yes is given, it's like it's stirred up and activated and comes alive and explodes in someone's life. Awesome. Like, it's the fullness of the Christian life. So here's the thing. Um, SPO is not SPO if we are not faithfully preaching and inviting people to experience this renewal in the Holy Spirit. We're not doing what we're called to do because this is kind of where it started. And it's, again, this is God's work. Like, I didn't make this up. <laughs> I'm not saying up here because I came up with a way to, like, fix everything. God started doing something, and I'm just trying to be faithful to what God is doing in his church. I'm like, yeah, Lord, if you want to do that here, I'm about it, and I'll talk about it. And we'll spend an entire night thinking about it. And even like an entire month, invite people to it. And maybe like how that stirs over the rest of our life. And like it can happen in morning prayers, right? Kevin, shout out Kevin McBride. It was um, a crazy experience in a morning prayer one time. And uh, you could call it renewing the Holy Spirit. So, um, yeah, I got, I got more here on practicals. Man, um, you guys love practicals. Or just some more uh, kind of extrapolation stuff. Um, so I think we're kind of hitting it, though. Um, here's a couple things. Um, what, what then is it to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? 
like we talked about, the Holy Spirit comes to people in a new way, and they know it. The Holy Spirit comes to people, God himself comes into someone, and they know it. It's, 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 it's unique that they know it. Um, but there's something more to being, to being renewed and baptized in the Spirit. When people are baptized in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit only, not only comes in them in a new way, but he also makes a change in them. Just like we talked about, like the Scripture coming alive, community making sense, doctrine making sense, the Mass coming alive, a love for the sacraments, something, there's a change in them. Maybe in their countenance, maybe they start laughing, maybe there's tears, but there's a change in them, right? And not just externally, but also internally, because the external is a sign of the internal, amen? So, as a result of the change which the Holy Spirit makes in people, these people then can then begin to experience the presence of God in a new way. They can know God in a way they never did before, by immediate experience. They can begin to experience the Holy Spirit working in them in a new way. The Spirit guides them, speaks to them, teaches them, lets them know God, and know that God loves them. Another way of saying what it is to be baptized in the Spirit is that it is an introduction to the life of the Spirit, the very heart of our Christian life, of living a life in the Holy Spirit. It is the beginning, the doorway to a life in the Spirit. What makes the life of the Spirit in people possible is the presence of the Spirit and then doing all the things which God promised the Holy Spirit would do. Therefore, the only way for people to experience the life of the Spirit is for the Holy Spirit to be in their life in a new way. Um, qualifier. I am not saying that renewal of the Holy Spirit is the only way to live a holy life. It's very important to say. God is very big. <laughs> he can do whatever the heck he wants. And he does. He has many ways to make men and women holy. But I can promise you that any holy person is living a life in the Spirit. So this is just one way to achieve life in the Spirit, right? We're talking about renewal of the Holy Spirit, the experience of God coming to us. There's many other ways. But it's a really... Pretty, I'd have to say, pretty good way, right? It's a way that God has chosen. Um, it's not, this is not a checkbox on your way to holiness. It's not like I got to get prayed over in this specific way and then I can be holy. No, it's not how it works. But all the saints, I would say, uh, it's safe to say, have had um, experiences of the Spirit coming alive in their life in some particular powerful way. Every single saint, because there is no sainthood without the Holy Spirit and the God being free to work and operate and move. Um, good. So. Um, wrapping up here. Here's what, why are we talking about this? Um, I think this is important. There's a little bit of catechesis-style talk, if you don't know. Um, it's a little bit more information-heavy. What, what, why is this for us? Why are we doing this, John? What are we talking about? Um, because us as a people, we're going to invite a bunch of our friends on a weekend with us. And we are going to um, preach the gospel, talk to them about this, this, the gift of the Holy Spirit, talk to them about removing obstacles in their life to receive this, and talk about Invite them to believe and to ask God in, in faith. Again, like, God, come, like, I'm in. Come and get me, you know? Like, letting themselves be caught by the Spirit. And there's something about that this is God's work. I didn't make it up. You won't make it up. You don't have, there's no way you can, like, close your eyes or, like, shake your hand enough to, like, make the Holy Spirit come, right? But there is something mysteriously about how God works in a body, Right? We know in, in Scripture, in Capernaum, like Jesus could not work many miracles there because of why? Their lack of faith. There was something about the community's lack of faith that Jesus was like, I just can't, like, <laughs> I can't. Like, God himself could not break through the hard-heartedness of a people to sh- reveal himself because there was just, there was a lack of faith. There's like, I don't think you can do a God. I don't think you can say you are. Aren't you that carpenter's kid, you know? Like, you're not, you're not the Messiah, right? I don't really believe in you, right? And there's a lack of belief in Jesus. He just wasn't able to work in some way. Um, we also hear about Scripture talking about um, disciples failing to cast out demons because there's something about maybe their reliance on themselves because Jesus is like, this one can only be cast out through prayer and fasting. So maybe there's this like unholy self-reliance in the disciples like, I got the power. 
Satan be gone. And Satan like laughs at them. He's like, you got no power. The power is in your humility. It's in you submitting to Jesus and his power through you, right? So there's something about us as a body that I want to invite us into is faith and humility that God, you got it, I, we don't, but you want to do something, so we're going to like kind of be about that. And in boldness, we're going to talk to people about this and say that God wants to wreck their life in a good way. He has something beyond their imaginings, a vision for their life that they never even thought possible that we're going to boldly proclaim and invite men and women into. We're going to intercede for them. We're going to fast for them. We're going to go all in, um, not because, like, why don't we do this all the year? It's just because we can't do this all the year. We can actually do it all the year, but there is a specific time and season right now where we can just, like, as a body, like, zero in our energy and our focus and just send it and say, Lord, would you do it? There's something about this year that kind of culminates and works towards this, right? We have our men's and women's groups, all these people we've met that we've, like, been talking to and walking with. Like, they're, they're hungering for it. They're ready for it. They want God in a new way. Even if they can't articulate it, there's something stirring in them that God is doing, again, even while we sleep, he's inviting them to new life. So where to from here? Um, I think it's this word of faith. It's this word of humility. It's this word of boldness, that God, you're doing it. The new Holy Spirit's not a wise SPO plan. Um, this is what God is doing in his church. JP2 talks about that the emergence of the renewal following the Second Vatican Council, he's talking about here, he says, was a particular gift of the Holy Spirit to the church. John Paul II says, I have always, well, St. John Paul the Great, I have always belonged to this renewal in the Holy Spirit. He says his own experience, he tells his own experience with it. He says, I'm convinced that this movement is a sign of the Holy Spirit's action. The world is in much need of this action of the Holy Spirit, and it needs many instruments for this action. The situation in the world is dangerous, very dangerous. Materialism is opposed to the true dimension of human power. And there are many different kinds of materialism. Materialism is the negation of the Holy Spirit. Now I see this movement, this activity everywhere. Consequently, I am convinced in the total renewal of the church, in this spiritual renewal of the church. This is what Cantal Mesa, why Cardinal Cantal Mesa is so passionate about it, is this, this renewal is tied to the spiritual renewal of the church. It's nothing fancy. It's nothing different. It brings us right to the very heart of God the God who crucified out of love for us and sent us the Spirit to dwell in us. The very love of God would be planted in our hearts that we would learn how to water it, how to give it life, how to give it room, how to say, yes, Lord, more. And then that would explode in our lives and in the lives of this community and onto campus. And then as we actually leave here, in our, in our faith, parish communities, in our faith communities, in our life, in our mission, in our workplaces, that God's love would be on the move. This renewal would transform. So we're in Fan of Flame season. The Lord wants to transform lives. Um, final story. I was, um, what can God do? Um, there's always, it's, it's okay to have a little bit of like, oh man, like kind of fear. Like a little bit like, like having some fear. You know, you always hear like courage is in the absence of fear. It's, you know, being scared to death and saddling up anyways. John Wayne. Um, like you can still have some doubt and have faith. Like doubt is a human thing, but you can like take that doubt and be like, God, I don't know how, but I believe. Does that make sense? Sometimes we think, like, like, oh, I have some doubts. Like, yeah, welcome to being a human, you know? Like, faith says, yeah, I don't actually know, but God, I trust. So I, I, I was this guy. I was a missionary. Um, I was sitting in Fan of Flame. I was like, God, we got here, and this is nuts, and you're going to work, but I have no idea how. Um, this was uh, 2013. And uh, how old are you guys, 2013? 10. 10. 10. Respect. I was, uh, 
respect, 10 year old man, whoever's 10, much love. Um, so uh, I was sitting there, it was the opening like worship time, you know? If you, know, if you guys have been to retreats, the opening worship time is always kind of cringe. Because like a lot of people there are like, dude, you told me there's going to be worship here. And I was, I was sitting behind these two dudes. And they were like, like hands in their armpits, like not having it. And I'm, I, I can be somewhat at times, believe it or not, a somewhat empathetic guy. So I was like kind of feeling their angst. And I was trying to get over it. I was trying to worship God, but I just could not stop thinking about like, I just had all these like thoughts like these guys are pissed. This is so weird. I don't know what's going to happen. God, why are they here? Um, oh, no. This is the disaster. Um, the worship time ends. And sure enough, um, fast forward, like, just like 25 hours later, one of those guys was in his, being prayer small, was on the ground um, crying in laughter because God did something completely unexpected and revealed his love. And it so overwhelmed him that how he responded or what the movement was, but he was on the ground laughing. And the laughter was contagious. This whole small group started laughing. They're just like, what is this? God is insane. This is amazing. And that experience in his life, that guy came to morning prayer every single day the rest of that semester. Uh, that guy would come. He had to live in the dorms a second year. But he came to morning prayer, like, basically, yeah, respect. Uh, he, he came to morning prayer, like, basically, he was, like, his mainstay at Antioch. You know, he was, like, Tommy Lashley, like, basically had his own bed. Um, and that guy... Um, faithfully served the church for a couple years after graduating, and that guy became Brother Joseph McBride, who eventually came from a lukewarm, nothing Catholic family that was done practicing the faith, and he was kind of done in college. He was, like, not about it, but his buddy invited him. He was like, fine, whatever. His Call of Duty buddy. Um, they, they, like, they caught it in, in, in high school. Yeah, pseudo baby. And he showed up, and God wrecked his life, and now his family is a completely different spot. His brother, who you know, is a completely different spot. Like, that was the beginning of a, completely tra- a complete transformation in that family um, with that one invitation from his Call of Duty buddy. And I was sitting behind him, and it did not look good, guys. It did not look good. And now that man is, um, he's, you know, third temporary vows in the brother pope. And it's completely unexpected. We have no idea what God does, but we say yes. And we say, God, you can do crazy things, even more than I can ask or imagine. So I'm about it. And that's our faith. We just step forward. We say, yeah, one more intercessory prayer. Yeah, Lord, you can do it. Okay, yeah, I'm not going to say no for this person. Lord, I'm showing up, and I have no idea, but I'm here for it. And I know you want to do things. That's what faith looks like, brothers and sisters. So um, we're going to turn to worship, um, and we're going to pray together. And I'm going to get us back together with a little word before we launch in. But let's get chairs and bathroom and stuff like that. So.